Okay, uh, Steve Black, this is uh, for you. Oh, well, didn't that turn out a little wacky? It's uh, Monday, September 13th, 2021, and I am recovering from last night. Uh, because it was a quiet weekend. It was a very quiet weekend for most of it. Uh, given the fact that I had to work on Saturday, I really didn't uh, didn't go out Friday night, which was fine by me. Didn't go out Saturday night, fine by me. But then Sunday, uh, we actually had... A, uh, it wasn't it wasn't a work dinner, but there was a lot of work colleagues there, so we we went out for dinner uh, to one of the uh, more famous, more renowned uh, Xinjiang Muslim-style restaurants here in Beijing. It's called Western Mahua, and the th the reason why we did this is because like, well, apparently if you get more than ten people together, uh, they will actually you can buy a lamb. They'll roast a lamb for you. Okay, so we did. <laughs> we went, got this lamb. I think 30, 30 people signed up, but I'm not sure if 30 people showed up. I don't know how many exactly showed up, but it was, you know, a decent chunk of people. Good group of people. And I know uh, so it's kind of odd talking about this sort of thing, like, you know, going out for lamb. Because they did, they did bring it out. Uh, they sort of presented it to you, basically, I guess you could say. And it's kind of odd looking at this going, poor little lamb gave its life uh, for us to eat. And I know some people might actually get offended by that. Um, you, know, what, you know, what if an alien race did that to us something, or some, something like that? I then think about like all the tigers and the bears that really wouldn't question it too much. They wouldn't have a, philo a philosophical debate before, you know, uh, munching on us if we ever crossed paths. So there's, you know... It's is it fair game? I don't know. Uh, anyway, not to dwell on that. Fantastic layout. Um, all the food was good, even the vegetables. I mean, sometimes when uh, restaurants serve vegetables, you're going, "Don't do we need to eat that?" <laughs> uh, but it was all great. It was a uh, great food. Um, they did present the lamb. Poor little thing didn't have its head on anymore. Uh, it had a ribbon instead. Um, and I don't know. It, it was uh, I don't know three feet, four feet. Three feet high, four feet wide, three feet wide. I'm not sure how, how big's a foot anyway. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, but that basically fed everybody uh, with enough for leftovers as well. So it was uh, quite the thing uh, to be there. And we were, you know, having some beers and everything, and it's pretty good. Two hours, and uh, basically that was it. Uh, so if you ever, actually if you ever get a chance, uh, you should if you, you're coming to Beijing, uh, if you come to China, go to Western Mahua. It's the place to go for roasted meat. This is actually the place uh, that uh, we have ordered skewers from before. I said last week I had uh, skewers for dinner, and this is the place. Uh, it's not the exact same place. Uh, they have little chain shops all over the all over the city, but. The one that we went to last night on Sunday was the flagship 
restaurant in Beijing. So it's huge. It's huge presentation, basically. Uh, and this, we had our own separate room and everything. Uh, two rooms, actually, because uh, it was such a large gathering. Uh, but yeah, this is the, the flagship. Or is it Dongjimen? I think it's in Dongjimen. Uh, I can't remember the exact place. But anyway, so that's uh, where we went, and it was pretty good. And all was going fine and well. And I'll actually even uh, say that prior to dinner is that we, one other pleasant surprise of the weekend was that I finally found chocolate mooncakes. Now this, and this, I've been, if you've read any of my blogs before, you'll know that I've uh, gone on about how uh, there's always a question of what you're actually going to get when you buy a Chinese product, especially if you don't know Chinese. This can be a very disconcerting discovery for you. I mean, no, I, I can't count the number of times that I bought something that looked good, it was a dessert, and then bit into it only to find that it was either red, pa red bean paste or something like duck egg. I'm like, oh, how did I get that wrong? And why, why would the shopkeeper let me buy it when they know that I'm not Chinese? Like, obviously I don't, but if I don't know how to operate with the, uh, the, the WeChat mechanism, how am I going to know that I'm buying a duck egg bun, basically? <laughs> right? Or a duck egg mooncake. Anyway, so we finally found them at Wodome, uh, which is a, another pastry chain shop here in uh, Beijing and China, but it's a bit more modern. It's not like Daoshangsun. Daoshangsun is sort of your traditional uh, Dianxin, your, your traditional pastries. Uh, Wodome focuses more on the uh, the modern sort of interpretations of uh, desserts and pastries. So we found them. Hazelnut chocolate. I'm not sure where they sourced the chocolate from. Didn't really care. Uh, by that I mean like it wasn't any like it wasn't a famous partnership like with Nutella or anything. It was just hazelnut chocolate. And they're pretty good. Two bucks, ten kwai for for one. Uh, looks like they're almost pretty much sold out because uh, we were looking for them. They had nothing on display, and we had to go ask at the counter. And she's she had like three left or something like that. So we took them all, basically. So that was good. It was uh, fantastic. But to get back to that dinner and trying to go home, I was very responsible. I mean, the when I left, some people like some people did go home. Some people went out to go play pool because uh, we were so close to San Latun, San Latour, San Latun. Um, and so some people decided to go out for pool. I was on my way home. I was, I was going home. And then I get this message from another buddy who's a, he, I don't know if he was out about or he was at home and doing a couple shots. He's like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm going home. You know, it's been a pretty successful weekend not doing anything. So... <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, it turns out he, he, he had a few and was just wondering, you know, if, uh, I was available and wanted to swing by. So I'm like, well, night's still young. It was like only eight o'clock or something. I'm like, sure, why not? What could go wrong? One drink, then we'll go home sort of thing, right? Well, that didn't happen. So we go through, I don't know, a bottle of vodka or something over the evening. But, uh, after, you know, standing outside in the, uh, the spitting rain, like a couple of uh, homeless expats, we did some street drinking outside of the subway station, and he's like, well, you gotta come on over. And I'm like, no, don't have to. Uh, he's like, no, no, we can, we can go jam. Okay, I guess. He's a guitarist, I, I'm a drummer, so, I mean, it, it should work out, right? 
Uh, so anyway, I get to his place and he, you know, still doing shots. And uh, then we, uh, he pulls out his guitar, his electric, the electric guitar. He starts playing along with that. And uh, the, I'm like, okay, sure. So I grab an egg shaker because he didn't have very much by way of percussion. And so in our our uh, moment of brilliance, like, well, we'll uh, we'll send a message to Steve, you know, Steve Black. <laughs> Steve Black was on my podcast a couple of year, uh, well, a couple episodes ago, last year, last summer. And so we uh, recorded a little take, and so what you heard at the beginning there, that is what we sent to Steve Black. He hasn't responded to me, so I have no idea if he's like, Young you know, <laughs> laughing at us goodly or laughing at us badly. Not sure. I'm sure he enjoyed it, but uh, that was <laughs> the the night's uh, creative output, basically. So it was good. And then after that, I don't know at what point this happened, but uh, he's like, oh, do you want to see it? I'm like, oh, wh- What? <laughs> No? <laughs> what do you mean by it? He's like, well, you want to see my guitar. I'm like, well, why don't you have one? He's like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to show you B.B. King's guitar. What? What do you mean B.B. King's guitar? Turns out he has a, an acoustic guitar that was played by B.B. King. Uh, Restrong, of course. But it was his practice guitar. And I, I'm not sure the entire story, but... Um, I remember it smelling very good, but it had this leather, he had this leather strap attached to it, so I'm like, yeah, it smells good. Very nice sounding guitar, very good tone. And, you know, for what I could play, I played the opening notes to, uh, what was it, About a Girl by Nirvana? That's the only actual song I know how to, uh, is it About a Girl? Maybe. <laughs> it's the only opening chords I actually know how to play on guitar uh, that uh, I think anyone else can recognize and probably play a lot better than I can. But so, yeah, we uh, played along with that uh, with the BB King's guitar. It's kind of neat to hold a piece of history there. Um, yeah, overall, interesting evening. We, I don't, I must have been home by midnight. I must have, I'm not sure. But uh, the, uh, the whole is kind of like, I guess. Had he, if he had drums, things might have gotten really loud, but at least that, that track that we recorded, that was probably the loudest that we got. I mean, it wasn't too much louder. And after that, we were pretty tired anyway. So anyway, I'm going to leave you with the sounds of what happened after all of that. <laughs> the true ending to my weekend was, I guess, like so many other weekends. I'll let you have a listen. Hope you guys had a great weekend. Thank you for all the uh, birthday wishes and the well wishes and everything. It's been good. It's been great. It continues to be great. I'm one of, I uh, can't complain too much. I am one of those guys who sort of, think, sort of thinks that every day is his birthday. I mean, things are good. Uh, if they're not so good, I either change them or I, or I don't know. I just deal with them, right? Uh, what, what do you do when something isn't going your way, right? What can you do sometimes? So that's my take. Hope you guys had a great weekend. Have a great week coming up, and uh, we will talk again. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.
Made it Tuesday, September 14, 2021. Interesting day. Uh, productive. Spent it studying the various subjects that I'm studying. Python and Blender. Game development. Unity and Unreal game engines. Chinese, of course. I got a Chinese movie list for you. Been a busy day. So I was looking at... Uh, some Python development stuff in uh, uh, online, watching some YouTube videos, and it does seem this is sort of a carry on from yesterday's blurb about using Python uh, in Blender and in other programs that you can sort of customize it a little bit more. Which this is fantastic. Uh, it turns out that the Python that's being used in Blender is a little bit different in that. Like with the Udemy course that I have, it's focus. It focuses on something a little bit more theoretical, like else if statements. Not theoretical, like these very basic things, like how to name a variable, how to do loops, and things like this. Whereas Python just gets right into using modules, calling things, and like if you're a programmer, you'll understand what I'll say. But uh, if you don't, then this will be a terrible explanation. If you variable name equals something dot something dot something in brackets and then your parameters right so there seems to be a lot more uses of dots to like call different modules and things like that uh which i mean it looks great the great thing about blender is that it basically gives it to you uh all of it i mean you you uh, can turn on the python tooltips and every time that you scroll over something, it will give you the code that you need that you can copy-paste into uh, the Python script screen uh, for Blender. It kind of makes me wonder what it's actually useful for. And it seems like there's two sort of main uses for this uh, that, that I can see right now. There, there's probably far more. I mean, one of them obviously is um, extending Blender's, Blender's functionality. Um, but that would be a little bit more so like creating a function or like a, a drop down box that's not already um, pre-built in Blender. The other thing is if you want to create animations like so the, the idea that I had is that instead of rendering out an image that would be, you know, it would, that would take forever, you could just code it to build slowly and then do a screen grab of it. So that I mean it would that way you would get the sort of the final result without the duration of having Blender having to spit out all the PNG files necessary to make the movie, like to make the animated files. So that's sort of what I, I was thinking was uh was possible. The um other thing about it was actually there was another guy who one of the things that Blender's used for is um, game assets. So people will build environments or characters, uh, and they will rig them as well in Blender, uh, which I haven't done yet. This is all very new to me. Um, but with the, you can use Blender in conjunction with another program called Unity, or also there's another one called uh, Unreal Engine. Now Unity and Unreal, I've heard these before. Um, Oh, I remember downloading the files years ago, and I never got around to it. It just looked too intimidating. Uh, they're basically game development uh, programs. Uh, Unreal Engine has been used on a bunch of 
famous games. Unity, I mean, even like the SimCity and Civilization games, I think. Not sure about Civilization, but SimCity was partially built, I believe, in one of those uh, platforms. But uh, they, they actually, looking at it now, I'm going, compared to Blender, it actually doesn't look that bad, to tell you the truth. So... One of these videos that I came across, uh, which was neat, there was this guy, uh, Infenzia, I think is his uh, YouTube handle, uh, and he built like 10 cars in Blender in, in 10 minutes, which was neat because all he did is he would duplicate them and then modify them slightly so he had the base the same, and then he just changed the, like the, uh, the appearance of it. So that was kind of neat, but he actually had a video of him making a video game using Blender and Unity within 48 hours and so this is part of the uh, a challenge that you can do uh what's it called the ludum dare so l-u-d-u-m dare d-a-r-e that's some sort of game challenge that you, you have 48 hours you're given a concept or a theme uh to work on and then you have basically two days to create your own game it doesn't have to be a complete game it can be if you want but it seems like it's uh more for proof of concept games like this 10 minutes basically is i think was he said was how much you how much gameplay you could get out of the thing that he created so i don't know it seems like kind of like a neat idea to tell you the truth i'm not sure if unity uses python um i couldn't really tell what scripting language he was using but it seems like there is some sort of coding in there which kind of I, I think I, I now remember why I don't think I was using Unity. I didn't want to start Unity because I was just trying to avoid the whole coding uh, problem uh, years ago up until like basically this year, last year when I just decided I should probably learn this already. So, uh, But that being said, with Blender, Unity, Unreal, um, it seems like it's, it's not such a big jump to go between them anymore. I mean, it's, you know, it's almost like learning a different computer language that... They're all sort of the same, but the syntax would be differently different, and they'd be used in different situations. So this is this is a step forward. This is good that I can now incorporate knowledge of Python into 3D modeling into game development. Now, I'm not going to be creating the next Angry Birds. I'm not that. <laughs> I know I'm not that confident in my abilities, and I'm not that uh, sort of. I can't boast that well. The idea would be to start at least. The first thought that I had is that this would be great for animation because I want to cut down on render times. I want to cut down on motion, like Apple Motion, which is what I use now. It has certain restrictions, and it's basically meant to be a uh, you know a supplement to Final Cut Pro. Blender just takes forever to render anything out. So by using Unity, I wonder if maybe that could cut down on some things. You could use it for, for animation. That might be an idea to uh, uh, pursue. So, I mean, it's it's good to see that all of these things are sort of, uh, I guess, intertwined. And Python seems to be a common language that is popping up again and again. There was another video series uh, that I was watching that this guy is making, I guess, a bit of a sci-fi movie uh cg bailey cb bailey uh he's on there as well and his his stuff is pretty neat so let's just see what i can pull up the name here uh c bailey film uh so he create he has a 21 part series of creating a sci-fi movie which i think because uh, he <laughs> it's a rather ambitious plan that he has uh and i think the final video he started in may 20 may 20th of 2020 and he finished of january of 2021 
or February. So it, it took them a good chunk, a good half a year to get it all done. Uh, that being the case, I, I'm not sure. Unity is free. Uh, Unreal Engine is free. I think they're both free. Unity has a pricing structure of 5% royalties up until the first million dollars, I think. So they're really just kind of taking, you know, basically a donation from uh, the people who are just going to try to make money or I'm not sure scam the system is pro uh, a good way to put it, but people who aren't sort of making, don't have VC funding behind them, uh, which I, fair enough, I guess. And most people would sort of uh, agree to that more than they would agree to a subscription model, I guess. And that seems to be one of these uh, uh, ideas is uh, sort of pay what you want. Um, subscription models is becoming a popular payment method. Anyway, so that was a pretty good uh, good learning experience. I mean, I, it, obviously, I've got a lot more to learn here. Uh, and if I pick up Unity, I mean, this is going to be another whole platform. And I'm starting to look at my computer system going, is this thing going to be able to handle this? I don't know. Because 3D modeling and graphics generation in general is uh, very computer intensive. A lot of... I, I don't have a GPU. I do have a GPU in this one, but it's built in. Uh, and it does the job, but, I mean, you, the, the newer computers are a lot better at that, at that for sure. Anyway, I said that I would have a, a Chinese movie list for you. And this is from yesterday's uh, class. That uh, The one thing about my teacher is that if I ever get her started about movies... She goes on about them, uh, and I'm not sure if it's like her, you know, backup plan to just she can keep on recommending movies or something. But she said something funny. She's like, "I don't. I've never seen these movies because I don't have time. I'm too busy." Which <laughs> I sympathize with because I'm too busy. I don't watch movies either. And like when she recommends like a foreign film to me, like a foreign by a non-Chinese film, like there's no point for me to watch a non-Chinese film in Chinese. I, I guess there is a point. I would rather watch Chinese movies in Chinese. Like the whole, one of the reasons I'm sitting down to watch movies and like actually drop a list is because it's part of my study plan. Uh, so like on Thursday morning when I don't work, again, I'm going to sit down and watch a Chinese movie. I'm going to pick out one of these. Um, I guess the next step would be able to write up a little review of what it is. Uh, so that would sort of be the goal. But I'm including the um, uh, list in the description of this episode, so you can take a look at that. It's all in Chinese, so you, and the reason I put it in Chinese is so that you can copy it and paste it into your search engine, and I know uh, I have a, a quite a few colleagues who'd be interested in this list. Um, tell me if there's anything wrong with it. I think there's one or two parts. Uh, I'm just looking. Yeah, uh, no, these are all proper, because sometimes I was copying down the, uh, the director's name, and uh, yeah, can, it can be confusing sometimes, but no, these are all uh, Chinese movie titles. So anyway, yeah, take a look at them. Uh, I Some of them have been subtitled in English. Some of them haven't. I don't know which ones. Again, I'm going for pure Chinese. I am going for uh, like being able to sit down, read, and recognize most of the characters. The one that I watched last week, Let the Bullets Fly, that was a little bit strange. It seems like all the movies that are recommended to me are just a little bit... Like, I would kind of, I would almost call them Tarantino-esque, where they jump around and they have these bizarre storylines. But maybe it makes sense to 
Chinese people. I'm not sure. I I think it's just you know, there's they're not mainstream movies. A lot of them. A lot of them aren't. Uh, but they are classic. They are interesting. They've some of them. A lot of them have won awards, uh, at least in the uh, independent film circuit or the, in the film circuits, the film festival circuits. Anyway, so you can take a, uh, check out that list. And, uh, yeah, let me know what you think. Uh, if you have trouble finding these, uh, you can... It's You don't even have to download them. Apps like ITE, um, Tencent Video, or even Baidu. If you search on Baidu, sometimes they'll have a link to various uh, streaming platforms. And the way that I can tell that it works in China, it's that a lot of these aren't hosted illegally they are hosted by the large media companies and so every time you stream them i mean you have to watch a 65 second video uh like a 65 second ad but then after that you can watch it so if you're okay with that go for it but uh yeah might get you started on your uh chinese lessons you can have fun sitting at work trying to figure out how people read write and communicate in this language Hope you guys are well. It's Tuesday. Have a good one. We'll talk again. Bye-bye. All right, uh, Wednesday, September 15th, 2021. I guess I am old. Uh, a friend called me old. Uh, he said it wasn't an age thing. It's just that you're an old man now. I'm like, well, how can that be? And then I realized that uh, one of my no, my oldest nieces, 15, I guess that puts me into pretty much old man territory because as soon as... Like, you have, like, the next generation that close to adulthood. I mean, <laughs> wow. Three more years, she's going to be able to vote, right? Uh, I, yeah, I guess that, uh, and by that time, I'll be uh, not of the 30 age group anymore. So that, uh, yeah, getting there pretty close. Uh, thanks, Steve, for the reminder, right? Uh, some interesting things I've seen going across uh, the technology uh, sphere. I don't really, I mean, I pay attention to it a little bit, but more about like computers and software rather than uh, any hardware. Like if it's not a, like uh, a computer or something, I don't really, like a computer feature, I, I don't really care because I don't need many more electronics in my life. I, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not trying to clutter my life up, but recently it's it's become unavoidable to see that a lot of there are a lot of Chinese companies that are focusing on developing not just AI sort of programs, but uh, they are developing, what would you call it, a robotic hardware. So like, specifically, cyber dogs and cyber horses. I mean, at what point? What are these used for? <laughs> uh, I did sort of um, contemplate getting one of the dogs so I could uh, chase the owners who don't pick up after their dog shit, their, do their doggies poop on the sidewalk. I would just get my little robotic dog and get him to chase after it for a little while. I think I would lose on that one because as soon as the dog, my cyber dog, chased them, then the real dogs would probably outmaneuver the thing and rip it apart. Um... So unless it was equipped with lasers or something, uh, why not? Uh, then uh, it doesn't really make sense to uh, to have them. But yeah, it looks like the Chinese companies, uh, for all it's worth, I don't know if it's the same in the States or in Canada or anywhere else, but it seems that there is a massive push here in China to like for robotic hardware. 
like and so the cyber horse that I saw uh, recently it was it's meant for kids the cyber dog I guess is I'm not sure if it's also meant for kids like it's sort of a safe alternative uh, to getting a real pet for a child because then you don't have the same mess and if the thing dies you're like ah it's a robot I mean there's not as much emotional attachment to a robotic uh, creature rather than a, a, a you know a real live creature but that being the case the, the, what struck me actually was that uh, so as I'm studying Python and I'm going I've talked to a few other people and they say like is it is a very flexible language uh, I was talking to another guy last week, and he said that uh, he want he was getting into it because of the data science or the data data an, uh, analysis uh, aspect. Uh, so that was all cool, um, but I, I, you don't hear too many other people, like in my age group in the 30s and the 40s, talking about learning any of this stuff. But but everyone seems to sort of have this blind acceptance that. It's over. Like our jobs are over. You know, teaching English is even going to go by the way. I mean, there's so much. There's not a much uh, adaptation. I'm not sure if they can. Some of them. I know that if you have, if you're married and have kids and you have got mortgages, it gets very difficult to retrain yourself to find the time to retrain yourself, especially when you're working full time. But I mean, no one else is talking like this. No one is looking to get into. The robotics industry, the AI industry, um, any of the uh, smart hardware programming—nothing. It's all just—they're all just looking to become teachers somewhere else, sort of thing. Which is bizarre to me. Um, and I've talked to a few people who want to start business or want to get into business, and no one's talking about this stuff. So maybe I'm out to lunch on this one. Maybe I'm missing something that it's harder to get into um, than I realize, but. I mean, even just the fact of learning Python, I, I don't. I, I think it's a good step. Now, so this, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I I am sort of a, a fraidy cat. I am constantly like head on a swivel, distrustful of uh, any company that thinks that. Oh yeah, don't worry, we need you. Uh, uh, you know, the job will be there. I'm like, I don't believe you. I just don't believe you that it's gonna be there. And so. I'm not sure if I'm unwittingly entering into some sort of career change. I don't think so. Like I'm not consciously making that choice with uh, studying Python or reading up on AI and stuff like that. But it is something I'm interested in. And I'll tell you, uh, a couple days ago, I mentioned the Unity and the Unreal game engines. This is something I remember wanting to get into when I was a kid. Like I wanted to develop games when I first started playing Nintendo back in the day. This is what I wanted to get into. I wanted to develop games. I'm not a big gamer myself, but I always liked the idea of developing them for some reason. Um, whether it was just the challenge, the idea of like, having other people play the game. Um, but it, it was just so as an idea. I remember on the Apple IIc computers that we had, or what, the one that we had back in the day. I mean, I used to sit there for hours programming line by line these uh, like text-based um, games, uh, you know, multiple choice games. I go, what would you do next? A for this, B for that, C for this, and then there's a bunch of options. They're very cheesy, horrible, terrible, terrible games. Never got into graphics editing, though. So that's why I'm looking at it now. I go, I got the time. I got the place. I've got, I mean, how much more money do you need? I mean, I have a, a job that 
you know, as flexible in terms of how much I have to do at any one time, it almost seems like it's a great time to take that plunge to actually try to do this, even if it's, it doesn't lead to anything big or massive. And I'm not thinking I'm going to take on Nintendo or the PS4 or 5, whatever it's at right now. Like, I'm not looking to do that at all, but just to, you know, give it a shot. Maybe I'll find out that you know, this is why I didn't get into it, because I suck at it. <laughs> that could be a very harsh realization about the whole thing. Uh, but yeah, it's, um, it, the other thing that struck me with this, um, especially growing up, I'm not sure, well, cause I've always read stories about entrepreneurs, like, uh, the entrepreneurial sort of, um, way of life and it's this or that, it's a lot of work or it's uncertain, it's blah, 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 blah. A lot of entrepreneurs do have day jobs. Um, this is a, a kind of a shock to me, kind of a revelation that a lot of them do actually have, uh, sort of their full-time employment and it might just be that one of the things that they do is that they have a steady client well what's the difference between working for a company and then having a steady client or a client base the only difference is that you're probably paying for your own health insurance i'm sort of thinking and you have to deal with your own taxes not to i'm not trying to belittle this at all it's just what gets me thinking with uh, you know, all the possibilities here, you know, and I'm, I'm looking at Python, I'm looking at teaching English, I'm, I'm looking at game development, looking at all the big companies, even something like IBM or uh, Apple, any of the big ones, those are the big famous ones, but some of the other bigger ones that might not be so famous, and all of a sudden you hear them about them in the news or something, and it's like, oh, such and such company, you know, has been researching and deploying such and such asset for the last 15, 20, 25 years. And you go, who are these people, right? And they all have these divisions that aren't really sort of sexy, sort of to say. I mean, they're not front page newsworthy stuff, but a lot of these companies have different divisions that are dedicated to certain projects. And I look at this and go, how do they, obviously they have the personnel for it, but how does one person do all of that? How does someone be a game developer? How does someone be a graphics modeler? How does someone be a sound tracker? How does someone, you know, make a, a film based on all this stuff? I mean, it's it's a lot of work. Just, I mean, thinking of it, but to actually realize it, it's it sort of gets me a little. Is it daunting or is it a challenge? Uh, I mean, it doesn't put me off from it, to tell you the truth. It's just it becomes more of a question of like, how do you best manage it? And should I feel bad if I don't get one part of it done in a day? For example, today, I didn't get any of my Chinese studies done. Like zero, zilch. And that's because I was doing, doing all these little dipsy-doodle things during the day, uh, during my breaks, that prevented me from actually sitting down and studying any of the, uh, uh, the Chinese characters or, or anything. Uh, not to mention, as soon as I came home, I did my workout. I didn't even want to do that. I, I didn't do my regular medicine ball workout because I'm like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to go from sitting all day to a high-intensity workout. I'm going to just do something new. So I actually did a kettlebell workout. So I'll post that for you guys. Um, part of kettlebell workout, kettlebell workout, and then another uh, little warm-up from that I find uh, that I found on Instagram. So yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that was sort of my day and my, my thinking today was uh, sort of, can I be disappointed if, you know, at the end of the day, you start the day going, I got this, we're going to attack this day, we're going to win this day, and only to be, you know, sitting down uh, for dinner at 8.45 and going, I didn't, I didn't do that. <laughs> 
I didn't get that done. I didn't get that done. I was busy all day. I got things done, but it wasn't really what I thought I would get done. That being the case, yesterday I did sit down to try to do a little bit more soundtracking, and this is something else I've been working on. And, and this actually contrib- partially contributed to uh, today's thinking about what you can get done, what you can reasonably get done in one day. And the reason why is because I was trying to get um, the the soundtrack finished last night, but I'm listening to it going, ah, oh, I could be a little bit more done. I could do something different. And then... Crash band crashed two or three times, and I kept on losing the work that uh, uh, I, I had. And I mean, it's, it didn't lose it all. It just didn't keep the most up-to-date version of it. So I had to redo the the uh, the track a, a few different times. I'm not going to touch it again. I'm going to post it. You can listen to it after this episode. Uh, tell me what you think. So. It's I used the uh, live loops feature in GarageBand, and I'll tell you, this workflow is a little bit tricky for me. I'm not used to thinking in this segmented block-by-block, rhythm-by-rhythm functionality. I'm thinking of a linear progression. Like, I would rather, and maybe this is something I have to work on, is I create a scratch track. This is actually a pretty good idea. Create a, a scratch track first, you know, just uh, hand drumming, uh, beatboxing, the whole thing first, uh, singing as much as I can. Although I, I refuse to call it singing because it's not really singing. I'm just going boo dee 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 you know, is that singing, right? Uh, and so lay down a scratch track like that and then start picking out the different elements. It was difficult to do that without a reference. So in the, the track you hear is that me trying to create that without a reference like my own reference, not a reference from someone else, like my own original reference. Uh, And so after a few different tries, I managed to get something together. It's not horribly ugly, but uh, not enough for me to be putting a price tag on it. How's that? So anyway, I'll let you guys have a listen to that. I hope you guys are having a great uh, week so far. I'm off tomorrow. I'm back at work on Friday weekend. Looks looks like I'm free and the Mid-Autumn Festival's kicking up. Uh, Apparently there's going to be a full moon, so it'd be kind of nice if I can see that uh, this weekend. Uh, there's a few different places you can see it. Depends on the depends on the weather, of course. I think there's going to be rain on Sunday, which would mean that we won't be able to see a moon at all if it's raining all day. If it's cloudy, cloudy all day. Anyway, I'll leave it there. Hope you guys are well. Have a great day. Don't work too hard, and if you do, have fun doing it. Righto. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again. Bye bye. Thursday, September 16th, 2021. Wow, almost the end of the week. Almost on my annual vacation. Not like, I'm not going to lie, it's not like I really need it because I haven't been working very much lately. Work has been, work has been very slow, so uh, I, have, I have been home a lot. It actually feels, uh, it's, it's kind of normal for September, even into October, but August was a little bit quiet because of all the uh, uh, city... Uh, cities locking down, the resurgence of the virus, uh, and cancellations of uh, various meetings and things like that. And the university is not wanting outsiders, uh, like any outsiders, onto uh, their campus. Uh, so yeah, it's been kind of a quiet few months, uh, which is okay. I've been getting other things done. But this gets me thinking, actually, this might not last, first of all. Uh, I, I've also just been given another contract, uh, or I 
it's been put through, I guess I should say. I don't have it yet. Uh, but uh, so another annual contract coming up. So as soon as I sign that, I, I want to say I'm locked in. But let's face it, can we trust any employment these days? We just have to be, uh, I guess, a little bit resilient, flexible, ready, prepared. There we go. Prepared would be the word uh, for anything that could happen. Who knows, right? Um, but anyway, so lock in for another year. Uh, contract, uh, apartment contracts also solidified. So uh, it looks like I'm staying put in China for at least another year, which gets me, of course, thinking about what can I accomplish in that time, uh, especially with my birthday that just passed. These are sort of the years and the moments that I mark uh, more than things like Christmas or New Year's just because I these are my milestones. I don't know if I'm ever going to if I'm always going to have a job come October or November. And uh and the birthday is just, you know, the the age ticker, the counter that's going on right with the insurance companies making educated guesses as to how long you're actually going to live, you know, someone's uh, betting when you're going to uh, pass on. So uh, these are sort of the the, the counting mechanisms I have uh, that uh, I use to keep track of and keep myself honest throughout the day. And so today, uh, well, a couple days ago, I mentioned this um, this gaming competition, this build build a game within 48 hours, Ludum Dare, which it's Ludum Dare, not Ludum Dare. Uh, Ludum Dare is Latin for to give a game. Uh, so I was thinking about this and I was looking into it today. It's held twice a year. Uh, the next one's actually October 5th, which I'm not gonna, I don't think I'd take part in, but I've been looking at some of the games that have been created. Some of them are pretty neat. I mean, I don't know if they're. I, I, <laughs> how did they even think of some of these things was uh, uh, sort of my question, but. Uh, so it's held in October and then also in November. Um, so it just gets me thinking with this time off, how do I best use it? And I'm looking at this calendar that I had marked down 100 days of Python. And I have one, two, three, four, four, com- three complete ticks and one, two, three, four partial ticks. So what that means is that I complete the full ticks or that I actually did everything for that day and the partials are things that I only did half of. But that isn't true because like the last portion of that course is a lot of self, uh, like it's no, there are no more tutorials after about day 70. It's all sort of challenges that, uh, are, are, that you need to accomplish and that, but they also have solutions which I think is probably the main thing that I'm looking for is just to watch someone build something in Python and then pick it up like that. So kind of like, I guess, learning a language by sort of uh, participating in it rather than uh, having to, or sorry, by watching someone else do it, listening. This would be my extensive listening and then picking up at that and then applying the things that I need. Because unlike human languages, I guess with computer languages, it doesn't seem like you have to be fluent in any one language. You're never really, like, I don't think a lot of these people are aiming to be, you know, spy-level hackers and shit like that. It's more that uh, they're just trying to be proficient enough to make their way around uh, different programming languages for different uses. Whereas, like, 
with you know um, human languages there's there's a lot there can be a lot of emphasis emphasis placed on grammar so your structure uh, your pronunciation uh, so how you're saying words and can it be distracting if uh, you are saying a word in a manner that someone else might not understand uh, and then also your vocabulary are you able to actually express uh, what you need or understand what someone else is saying with computer languages I mean you're copy pasting you're looking up you have this ability to spend as much time re researching whatever you want this takes me down to brings me up to what am I going to do within this next month that was the deadline for this 100 days of Python code that I was trying to do that I started back on July 1st. Now, I have been pretty consistent in touching base with Python. I also signed up for a web development course. Now I'm getting into Blender. So there's a few things. Blender, then I mentioned Unity. Now, Blender uses Python, but Unity, as far as I can see, uses C Sharp. And this is why I bring up the you know, learning languages. How much do you actually need to know? I don't know if I really want to do a whole course on C Sharp, to tell you the truth, but how fast could I learn it? How fast could I learn what I needed to know in order to start building something in a program such as Unity? This brings me to my, my big thought here is like, well, do I even have to spend 100 days on Python or could I somehow, you know, hack my way through it, like bang my way through it in a few days? Because it's, it, the, the course was scheduled for two hours every day. What if I just did two hours every three hours sort of thing? Like, so I had four sessions throughout the day or something and just banged them out as soon as I could, uh, as fast as I uh, can, basically, instead of drawing it out for so long, for 100 days. And I say this because I have the time coming up. What if I took a few days off from my Chinese studies uh, and, and my Russian studies pushed everything else off and just focused on the Python course. Just get that one done and then switch over to the web development one, which kind of overlaps a little bit. Get that one done and then that way, check those boxes. I'll consider myself to be at least uh, working knowledge of Python and then start working to implement the different projects and different codes in the different scenarios. So, I mean, again, it's like with automations, can what can I build in that time? Um, actually, I guess what I would be aiming for by going through the course is I just want to touch base with the language. I don't want to necessarily build anything functional that I need right now. That will, that will happen later when I have more time to sit down and think through some things. So that gets me thinking about, you know, in general, how much time, why, why draw something out? Why don't we just sit down? Why don't I just sit down and do this right away now? But I, I say this because I, I'm thinking about how long it's been, and now I have this idea just sitting down and getting through the course. Well, why didn't I do that before? And it's because th there seems to be a, a, a time period where you have to spend only, or you can only spend one or two hours a day on the subject because your brain is in overdrive. Like you're... you're being faced with so much stimulus, so much information coming through that it's not necessarily that you don't want to spend all day. It's that you just get tired, <laughs> right? And you're like, and sometimes your brain does need time to uh, solidify, to uh, formalize the, uh, the the information in 
in your brain, like I guess connect the synapses, I'm not sure. Uh, so that that's sort of the idea I have. I mean, because with the Python code, basically in a month time, I have three choices. Uh, do I extend it until I'm actually officially done the challenge? Uh, do I give up? I can say, okay, that's it. I'm not, I'm not going to deal with Python. Or do I, I mean, just get through it, not necessarily in the next uh, next month, but just sit down and do it right now. Like I have the motivation. I have this desire. I want to get this done. I don't want it hanging over my head anymore. Um, let's just get through it. So that's the idea. Um, we'll see if it sort of takes shape. Um, I, I would like to. I'm thinking about when I can. If I have to work tomorrow, that's fine. Uh, but then it'd probably be, could I start it on like even Saturday or Sunday or Monday? It could, it's mid-autumn festival, so there might be some things going on uh, that, might, that I might want to take uh, take part in. Uh, I know Burgerfest is taking place this weekend, but it's way out uh, in Lang Yuan Station, which is far northeast Beijing, which sounds like, oh, why don't you just take the subway? Because it would take an hour, an hour and 15 minutes to get there by subway. Now, I'm not sure if I'm that committed to Burgerfest. I'd rather just go to each individual restaurant you know, and do like a, a burger uh, tour, basically, then go way out that way. And yeah, no, it's just so far. Uh, in that time, I could cover three or four places within the city. Uh, this morning, this I spent the time actually watching a Chinese movie. And a couple days ago, I gave you guys this list. Uh, and so today's was Kuku uh, Sili. Now, this, it's translated as Mountain Patrol in English. Uh, it was released in 2004. It won quite a few awards. I, th I think it was shot on film, like actual film. Um, it takes place in Tibet, like on the far reaches of Tibet sort of thing, like near the mountains. And it, I don't know, I mean, it, it wasn't my first choice. I kind of came to it. I, I checked two or three other movies, and they all were just, it was depressing. I mean, there was... Uh, women getting raped. There were people dying left, right, and center. None of the movies that my teacher gave me were particularly happy. So <laughs> I settled on this one only because it was uh, it's 85 minutes in duration. And with 85 minutes, it should take me about two, two and a half hours to watch since I will be picking out words to learn throughout. Um... So that's one of the things, and what are the words I learned? There's a few, bao zhong, like uh, take care of yourself. Uh, oh, I can't read these names. Shang jiao, uh, break, uh, wei, wei fa is to break the law. Um, and jiao yin is foot impressions, which doesn't sound like much, but it's like your footsteps. You know, how do you say footsteps? Well, jiao yin. So the... <laughs> It did take only 85 minutes, and I can't say that this movie was any happier. As a matter of fact, I'm watching it and going, wow, did that just happen? I mean, they this it's about this, I guess in the 90s, uh, late 80s and the 90s, there was an issue in Tibet of, there were a lot of uh, peasant poachers or peasants from other provinces coming to Tibet and poaching antelopes, antelope furs and antelope horns, and then selling them, I guess, uh, on, on I guess on the black market or wherever. I think it, some of it went to Europe, but then Beijing, this, 
and the story centers around this reporter that comes from Beijing to Tibet to tr- to follow this volunteer police group, this mountain patrol group that is assembled like a group of I don't know seven or eight men. Uh, I don't want to spoil too much, but let's just put it this way: I think the survival rate is ten uh, <laughs> percent. Um, it's based on a true story. Let's put it that way. So the the fact that this guy came uh, went out to Tibet, re- came back to Beijing, reported about it, and then Beijing cracked down on him. Went, okay, yeah, we're not going to do, we're not going to let that happen. We're going to have to send some, we're send actual people out there to to deal with it. But yeah, it was just strange how it, I guess not strange, but just the reality of the situation that when you go out into um, the desert, into a mountainous area, undeveloped, where where you don't have ready access to like cell phone towers, water, food, you know, the the necessary necessities in life. Uh, What's your chance of survival, especially in some inclement weather in harsh conditions such as uh, is found in like the the mountainous areas of Tibet? Very great movie. I'm not gonna lie. It was actually very well done, uh, very well paced. It wasn't glorified at all. It wasn't like a, you know, a glitzy glam sort of take on life and uh, the Tibetan plateau or Tibetan mountainous areas. It was like this is happening. This is what this group is set out to do, and it will it will complete its mission. Yeah, uh, highly recommend it. I will put the link for it because I found it online. As far as I know, it was just open for viewing. Um, so I'll put the link there. I hope I don't get in trouble for that. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, because I mean, it was just. Fun, funtv.com or something, or not .com, it's .cn. Uh, but anyway, yeah, if you get a chance, um, it was not subtitled in English. It was actually spoken mostly in Tibetan, and then it was subtitled in standard Mandarin Chinese, which was neat because I had to read it all. But at the same time, it was I actually found it kind of neat that I could read so much of it. Uh, there were a few characters I couldn't get because the subtitles were blurred a little bit, Uh so, yeah, I didn't get 100% of the characters. But anyway, interesting movie. Uh, well worth it. Uh, I do recommend it. Go ahead and find it online or find it wherever. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, it's, uh, that's my second movie that I've watched. So I'm not sure if I'll have a chance to watch another one soon. But uh, so far, so good, I guess. All right, Thursday, you guys. I hope you're doing well. Getting close to the weekend. Uh, Canada, you had your long weekend a couple weeks ago. Uh, China, we're having our uh, long weekend coming up this weekend for the Mid-Autumn Festival. i got to go get some more of those uh, chocolate mooncakes from Widome, from Widome, if they still have them. Hope you guys are well. Take care. We'll talk again. Bye-bye.